we want to come up with just a quick list of the miracles in the Bible. So like, here's an easy one. We'll, we'll say like, parting the Red Sea, the Red Sea. That, that's a miracle we read in the Bible. Somebody else, and give me a, a kid, tell me another miracle you've heard of in the Bible. Tell me one. Not all at once. <laughs> Mom and dad, you can help them. You can cheat a little bit. Give me another miracle that you read about in the Bible. Water into wine. Water into wine. Water to wine. Good. What else? Give me a couple more. Raising the dead. We'll say, I didn't hear that one, but it sounded cute. He parted the sea. We'll write it up there again. He walked on water. Good. What did he do for people that were sick? He, healings. Yes, yes, healing. We could go on and on and on. We've got a ton of miracles that we read about in the Bible, and this is just a few of them. This is just a few of them. Now, what's interesting about as we read about all the different miracles, they show us a lot of different things. If you looked at the miracles as a whole, they tell us how great God is. They tell us how big God is, how awesome God is, that God can truly do anything. There's nothing outside of what God can do. He can part the Red Sea, turn water into wine, raise people from the dead. He can do all kinds of things. But what the miracles also do, and what sometimes we miss, is not just what God can do, but who God is. Who God is. Not just what God can do, but who God is. Or what we would say, that's the character of God. Tells us who he is, what he's like, what he cares about. So we're going to look at a miracle this morning that, that doesn't usually make the top ten list. When I ask, hey, tell me about the miracles you know about in the Bible, Rarely does anybody bring this one up. This is to be gonna, I'm hoping, I'm trying to make this a famous miracle because it's one of my favorites. It doesn't feel like it fits, but it's going to show us that God can do anything, but it also shows us very specifically who God is, what's he like, and what, and more importantly, who he truly cares about. So if you have your Bibles, head over to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. If you don't have your Bibles, no worries. We'll put them on the screen right here behind me. 2 Kings chapter 6, and what we might call an insignificant miracle, a small miracle, but again, it's not just what God can do, it's who he is, the character of God. So be looking for that. Be looking for the character of God in this miracle. Here we go. Chapter 6, verse 1 out of 2 Kings. It says, the company of the prophet said to Elisha, now keep in mind this gets confusing, there's an Elijah and there's an Elisha. Elijah came first, Elisha is his predecessor. So this is Eli, which one? Shuh, there you go. So the company of prophets said to Elisha, look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place there for us to meet. So Elisha said, sure, that's fine, go. Then one of them said, won't you please come with your servants? I will, Elisha replied, and he went with them. They went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. So understand just what's happening. This is just setting the scene for the miracle that's about to take place. Elisha, which one again, Ja or Shuh? Shah, Elisha has kind of this group of students. Scripture calls them the company of prophets. That's a group of individuals that are basically following and learning from Elisha. And that group has grown to the point where they say, hey, we can't really fit in the place where we have been already. We, we need more space. Kind of like us, we can relate to that. We used to meet at the movie theater. We said, we need some more space, a place to call Rome. So here we go. Almost, a, Can you believe it's almost a year later that here we are? So we needed some more space. Now, Elisha made his 
people actually cut down the wood and build it. I didn't make you do that. I did make you paint with me, but that was, could have been a lot worse. So they built it. They started a building. It says, yes, and Elisha went with them. They needed more space to meet, and then we're introduced to a problem. And each and every miracle is there to show what God can do, to tell us and show us who God is, but there's also a purpose for the miracle. I mean, God and, and through his son Jesus, they're not just showing off. The miracles are solving some kind of a problem. They're meeting some kind of a need. We're going to see the same thing here. See if you can pick out the problem. So they went to the Jordan. They cut down some trees. They're trying to make this new meeting space. Verse 5, here it is. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh, no, my Lord, he cried out. It was, and this is an important word. What's it say? It was Borrowed. It was borrowed. So one of these students of Elisha is out there working really hard. They're cutting down trees. They're trying to make this new meeting place. And he's got an axe. And he's cutting down trees and he's building. And he's working really hard. And somehow, whether it was user error or just bad manufacturing, somehow this axe head flies off the end of the handle of the axe. And it lands where? Where does it go? It goes in the, yeah, it goes in the water. It goes in like this creek or this river. Now tell me something. Let's make sure we're on the same page. Would an iron axe head sink or float? Which one do you think? Yeah, it sinks. If you didn't know that, I'll just let you know. It sinks. So it sinks to the bottom of the water, and he's got a problem, doesn't he? He says, oh, no. He says, oh, no, my Lord. Now keep in mind, this is a lowercase l, so he's not saying, oh, no, to God. He's saying, oh, no, to Elisha. He says, Elisha, this is a problem. Oh, no. I've, I've dropped the axe head into the water. And the reason that's a big problem is because it wasn't mine to drop. It wasn't mine to lose. It was, what was the word? Borrowed. It was borrowed. It was not his. And that, of course, presents a problem, doesn't it? When you've got a borrowed item, you're expected to give that back in at least close to the same condition. Instead of just taking a handle with no axe head on the top of it saying, hey, my bad, you know, here you go. <laughs> Thanks for letting me borrow it. Obviously, there's a problem there. Now, we would all agree that if you were to categorize the problem, if we were to say big problems and small problems, this is probably more of a small problem. We have a lot of bigger problems that we're aware of. We've, we've dealt with a lot of bigger problems than just an axe head that has fallen into the water. Now, to help you kind of think through this a little bit more, let me, let me help you understand maybe how, how much of a problem this would have this would have been if I've got some water, it's not a lake or a creek or river or anything, but at least I've got some water, and I borrowed something from someone very dear and close to, to me. I borrowed my wife's phone this morning while she was sleeping. And so I borrowed her phone, says, don't worry, babe, and I kind of woke her up, kissed her goodbye, says, I'm going to borrow your phone for a sermon illustration. Don't ask questions. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. So I've got, I've got a phone, and we've all experienced maybe something close to this, haven't we? where maybe we go swimming, maybe you got pushed in the pool. Uh, you're around water and a phone, and sometimes that phone just gets, ooh, <laughs> made you a little nervous. Some that, sometimes that phone just gets a little close to, to the water. Oops. <laughs> but you got to be careful because sometimes, whoops, a daisy. My bad, babe. <laughs> sometimes it doesn't work out the way you planned, did it? No, not at all. Good news is my wife's going to get a brand new phone at the end of service today. <laughs> no, but what happens, right? We have a problem, and to you, it's kind of a funny problem. To me, it becomes an actually a pretty big problem uh, in my marriage, especially now. 
but we can have problems in our life. And, and just like this problem, it was a pretty big deal to him, but maybe everybody else around him didn't see it as that big of a deal. But the point is, regardless of how big the problem is, can we all agree it is a problem? Yes. Can you agree that an axe head in water is a problem for this guy in the story? Yes. Can you agree that I have a pretty major problem now? Yes, we can all agree. So when we're faced with problems, and not necessarily our own problem, when other people, when you see their problem, so as you're seeing my problem, we have a choice to make. We're faced with a choice, to help or not to help. Do I step into their problem, or do I mind my own business? Those are the choices. Those are the choices. So any of our kids that went to Best Week Ever, I need to see if any of you are willing to help me out. If you're willing to help me, I have a problem. That's the, that's the choices that we make. We're either going to not have anything to do with it or we're going to jump in and help. All right, you want to help me out? You, are you sure? You don't even know what I'm going to ask you to do, but you're good. Ask mom and dad if it's okay. That's good. That's great. All right, come on up here. Come on up here. Give her a big hand. Give her a big hand. All right, come on up here. You are going to help me with my problem. Wonderful job. All right, come right over here. Okay. Now, here's what I need you to do, okay? Come stand right there. Come stand right there. Again, my wife is right there. I need you to say, this is my fault. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know it wasn't your fault. That would be a lie, and we don't teach your kids to lie in church, no. But here's what I do need. I, I dressed up for church today, so I've got a nice jacket on, and I know this is my problem, but would you be willing to help me, and would you at least get the phone out of the water for me? Would you just put your hand in there? I know you're going to get a little wet. Would you, be, would you mind doing that for me? Okay, awesome. Go ahead and do that. All the way in there. Can you reach? Oh, great job. Awesome job. Give her a big hand. Okay. I'm going to let you dry your hand off there. I'm going to do my best to dry here. Hey, does your mom or dad have an extra phone that I could borrow? They do? Oh, that's wonderful. No, that's great. Your dad has an extra one? All right. He don't, you don't think he'd mind if I borrow that one, huh? Oh, but don't drop it in the water? That's good advice. Hey, give her a big hand. Great job. Thank you so much, sweetie. High five. Awesome. Go find your mom and dad. Great job. See, as insignificant as that seemed, it wasn't a big deal to just, well, sure, I'll put my hand in her It wasn't that big of a deal for her. But when we are the one with the problem, any help is better than no help. Can you agree with that? Anytime that we need help and we've got a problem, regardless how big of a deal it is to other people, when we have a problem, we just want somebody around us to do something, something instead of nothing. Even if oftentimes the help that we can provide doesn't seem like a big help, we make excuses. We rationalize why not to help, don't we? Well, I don't really have time to help. I get really busy, and, and I don't really know if my helping would even do much good. I don't know how to help. I don't know where to begin. We have a lot of good rationale on why we don't help instead of just saying, I, I can do something. It may not be a big deal. It doesn't maybe solve the problem, but I'll at least help along the way. Now, remember, go back to the story of Elisha and this axe problem, this axe head problem. Here you have one of his students that looks to Elisha for help. Remember, he's talking to Elisha. He says, Elisha, my Lord, I'm in trouble. I've got a problem. I need some help. Now, notice he doesn't tell Elisha how to fix it. He doesn't do anything to prompt. He just says, I have a problem. It was borrowed. What am I going to do? And now Elisha is faced with that, to help or not to help, to get involved or to mind his own business. And let's see what Elisha does. Verse 6, 
It says, the man of God, which that's talking about Elisha, the man of God asked, where did it fall? And when he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick, threw it there, and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. And there's where we see the miracle. Elisha chose to get involved with this man's problem. And he did an incredible miracle, making God doing a miracle through Elisha, making this iron axe head float. Truly, truly a miracle. But the real miracle that we're going to see is the fact that Elisha chose to get involved. The, the miracle that Elisha chose to do anything, chose to do something. Now remember, we said that all of the miracles we read throughout the Bible, they're solving some kind of problem. They're showing how great God is and what God can do. But what was the other thing that miracles show us? The who God is, or what was that C word? The character of God. That's what I want us to dive into. What does this miracle of God making an axe head float through one of his prophets, Elisha, what does that teach us about the character of God? First thing, God is aware. God is aware. In other words, God knows. He knows all things. He knows everything, even the small things. Again, if we were to look at the problem of an axe head falling into the water, on the, on the scale of, of the size of the problem it was, it's going to be on the smaller side of the problems, but God still is aware of it. He's very still aware of it. And in fact, here's what scripture says about that. Matthew chapter six, verse eight, the last part of verse eight says this. Your father, talking about God as our heavenly father, your father knows what you need before you ask him. He knows what you need. He knows everything about you. He knows your wants, your needs, your desires, your problems, your heartaches, your losses, your difficulties, your joys, your celebrations. He knows it all. And when it comes to the needs and the problems we have in our life, he knows about it. Before we ever know what to ask for, he knows. So here in a story of a man losing an axe head into the water, God already knows that it's a problem. He's aware of it. Another scripture later on in Matthew chapter 10, verse 30, tells us even more about how much God knows about us and how aware he is of us. He's not just up on his throne every now and then checking in. No, he's intimately and deeply involved with our lives. Matthew 10, 30 says this, and even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Now, for some of you, that doesn't seem like a very difficult task. I understand that. <laughs> for some of us, it's a much bigger deal. <laughs> But he knows, I mean, imagine that, that God knows every single hair. He has numbered the hairs on your head for each and every single one of us. He knows deeply and intimately about you. Now, knowing and isn't in and of itself all that great, because it's one thing to say, okay, God, you know all these things, wonderful. You know that I have a problem, but then our next question is, well, what are you going to do about it, right? We're asking for help, just like the man asked Elisha for help, just like I asked for help. Once you become aware of it, it's the question, well, to help or not to help, get involved or to mind your own business. So not only is God aware, but God cares. God deeply cares. He cares for each and every one of us. Remember the passage we just read out of Matthew 6 said that he's our father and he cares for us like kids. And I'll tell you, as a dad, I care deeply about my, my kids, I care deeply about my, my boys and my daughter. I love them, I care about them, I would take a bullet for them, but I'll be honest with you, I do have my limits, right? There, there comes a point 
where the care and the love, I'll tell you, runs out. For example, I'll give you a good example. It happened this last week. I'm not, I'm not ashamed, to, ashamed to admit this. This last Thursday, something swept across our entire nation called Build-A-Bear. And this Build-A-Bear, if you're aware of it, what happened, they came out with this idea called Pay Your Age. And so every parent thought this was brilliant because instead of paying $87 for a teddy bear, a stuffed teddy bear, you can go and pay for that same bear, but for however old your kids are. So I have kids, three of them. They are ages five, three, and one. I'm like, this is a steal. This is a great deal. Of course we will finally get you a Build-A-Bear because we're only paying $5, $3, and $1. This is great. So we talked about doing this on Thursday, and, and the more we heard about it, the more like, you know, we think this is a great idea. So does the other billion people think this is a good idea. Maybe we'll sit this one out. And we're glad we did because check this out. Here is a picture of one of the malls inside the mall. And I'm looking at pictures on the news and I'm like, this is insane. A buddy of mine that lives in Kentucky now, he actually went and stay, stand, stood in line. I'm texting him I'm like, what's the line like? What's it like? And he's like, dude, it's crazy. I'm like, how long have you been in line? He says, five hours. I said, I don't love my kids that much. <laughs> nope, nope. We just told him they're sold out today, which ended up being true. It ended up being true, but I mean, I would take a bullet for my kids, but I'm not going to stand in a Build-A-Bear line for my kids. I have boundaries and limits. I can only take so much. I mean, look at this one. Here's, this is an Atlanta, Atlanta mall from, from one of the news helicopters. The line had gone all the way through the mall, and you see a line of people all the way outside the mall. This is a teddy bear <laughs> with stuffing. Come on, parents. It got so bad that malls had to shut down because so many people were showing up. The malls, not the store of Build-A-Bear, but the malls had to turn people away, say, we cannot have any more people here. And I'm just telling you, I love my kids, and I, would care, for, I care for my kids, and I would do just about anything for my kids. That's not one of them. We have limits, don't we? We have boundaries. The love, the care that we have as humans is limited, is limited, but understand the love and the care that our Father, our Heavenly Father has for us is completely unlimited. He would stand in a Build-A-Bear line for you. That's how much God loves you. You need to know that. Write that down next to John 3.16. You're going to remember that. <laughs> Check this out. Check this out. 1 Peter 5.7 says this. Cast, and there's an important word here, cast what? All. One more time. Say it like you mean it. Cast all all cast all your anxiety on him why for this simple reason because he cares for you that's it there is no strings attached there's no other reason other than because he cares for you he invites you to cast everything on him all your anxiety all your problems all your needs all on him now i'll tell you i won't say that Oh, you're free to cast everything. All your problems, just dump them all on me. No, no, I can't carry that. You cannot carry that. We cannot make that statement, but our God can. He is aware of all of our needs and all of our problems, and he loves and cares for us so much that he actually invites us to do that. What was the word again? Cast what? All your anxiety on him for the sole fact and the sole reason that he cares for you. Don't miss that, kids especially. He cares for you. That means you are significant to him. There is no problem that is too big for God, and there is most certainly no problem that is too small for God. 
so often we try to find like the perfect problem to give God. And we don't want to give them the big problems. Well, God, this is just really too big for you. And you don't want to give them the small problems because, well, God, I don't want you to waste your time. So it's like the Goldilocks problem. It's just, oh, here's one that's just right for you, God. Here you go. You can solve this one. But he invites us. That's what First Peter said. Cast everything, the big and the small. There's no problem too big or too small for God. He is aware of your problems, big or small. And he cares for you, big or small problems. So then the next question is simply this. You're aware of it, you care about me, so what are you actually going to do about it? Remember, they show the greatness of God, but we're looking at the character of God. So check this out. Here's what we see also in the story of Elisha in this floating axe head. God is aware, God cares, but he cares and does something through other people. Notice, God did the miracle, but he used who? What was his name again, do you remember? Elisha. He used Elisha to do an incredible miracle. So we have that same opportunity. God is aware of our problems and he cares for us deeply, but can I ask that we would, we would allow, we would invite God to use us to care for other people. The people that God has intentionally put around us, that we would be aware just like God's aware, that we would care, maybe not just like God cares, but as much as we humanly and possibly can, that we would be aware and that we would care for the people around us. Because that's what Elisha did. He was aware of the problem, and he chose to step in and do something. Other scriptures tells us, uh, tells us the exact same thing. Hebrews 13, 16 says, and don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. Parents, this is a great memory verse for your kid. This is when you elbow them and you say, hey, did you hear what pastor said? Don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. Romans 12, 13. When God's people are in need, when they have a problem, here's what we're to do. Be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. So scripture tells us the best that we can, may we help other people. When we see a problem and we're faced with those two choices, to help or not help, to intervene or to mind our own business, scripture tells us, may we allow God to care for other people, but may we do that, may we allow him to do that through us. Another word for that is kindness. We're hearing that God cares for us and that he helps us. Really, you put those things together and that's the word kindness. Part of the fruit of the Spirit is kindness. And kindness is simply this. It's taking you and stepping into somebody else's problem for their benefit. That's kindness. When you recognize a problem in somebody else's life, you say, I'm going to intentionally step into their problem, into their life to help. No other agenda, no other reason, just to benefit them. That's kindness. And that's exactly what Elisha did. There was a problem. And he stopped long enough to intervene and to step in and do something that would offer help. To help, to not help. To intervene and to step in or to mind your own business. May we choose to step in and do something. Now, I don't know about you, but I will probably never be able to make an axe head float. That's not the calling I have in my life. I get to teach scripture, not cause these miracles to happen. And so the question is, well, how do we do that? How do we help? Well, if you break down what Elisha did, he did three things. If you go back and look at it, it says, when, when the man said, oh, no, my Lord, he cried out, it was borrowed. He presented the problem. Look at what Elisha did. The man of God asked, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick, threw it in, made the iron float, lift it out, he said. Then the man took out his hand and took it, reached out his hand and took it. Elisha did three main things that we can still do. First thing it is, is he was aware of the problem. When this man said, oh no, Elisha, I've got a problem. It's not mine, that was borrowed. Elisha stopped long enough to listen and hear this man out. 
What is the problem? What is the need? He became aware of this man's problem. And just like we've been saying, we have a choice when we become aware of the problem, to act or not to act. So he said, well, I'll do something. But in order to do something, you have to stop what you're doing. Oh, that's the hard part. We want to do something, but we also don't want to stop the something that we're already doing for us, do we? So Elisha stopped what he was doing. He hit pause long enough so that he could do something. So be aware of the problems of the people around you. Hit pause long enough to listen, to hear them out, and to be able to do something. And then just do something. Something, as we've been saying, is better than nothing. Some help is better than no help. But I want to help you help others. Does that make sense? Let me help you. That's what we're getting at. So I want you to write this down. Kids, adults, everybody in the room, I want you to write this down. I'm going to give you two questions to write. So write them down, put them in your phone, because this is your homework for the week. I know we're getting ready for school, kiddos. So here we go. Get ready. Two questions that I want you to ask, because you're going to have to practice kindness. Parents, did you know that kindness is not natural? Like your kids aren't born kind. Did you know that? Yeah, they're not at all. No, we are born, what? We're very selfish. We're self-centered. It's all about us. So we have to learn and teach. It's a muscle we have to exercise to grow in our kindness, grow in our kindness. So here's how we're going to grow in our kindness. I'm going to give you two questions, right? The first one is, who is the one person? Who is the one person? The second one is, how can I help? Who is the one person and how can I help? As you're writing that down, let me explain what that is. Kindness begins or kindness starts when one person does one thing for one other person. That's really where it begins. When one person does one thing for one other person. Instead of saying, well, man, I, I can't solve the world's problems. I can't, I, I can't do it all. You're like, you're right. You can't do it all. But we can do something. As a church, we try to become very aware of the problems in our community. That's why we do shopping carts full of school supplies. Can we meet the needs of every single student? No. But I can buy a pencil, and I can drop it in the cart. And when we all do that, we make a big difference. So we do school supplies drives. We do other things for our schools throughout the year. That's why we do something and partner with local organizations like Meals by Grace. I can't, I can't feed every hungry family in our county. You're right. But I can spend two hours once a month packing one box of food for one family and drop it off to them. I can, I can do that. That's something doable that we can do. It's what one person does, one thing for one other person. So I'm not asking you to do everything. I'm saying would, would you identify one person so you can do one thing for that one other person? But it starts with you. When we heard the news of the fires in the neighborhood on 4th of July, of course, it's like, oh my goodness, just overwhelmed of like, how can we help? What can we do? No, we can't do everything, but we can do something. In fact, if you're interested in helping out, uh, meet me and Tasha. Tasha's part of that neighborhood, and we'll be out in the lobby. And if you just want to ask the question, how can I help? What do they need? Tasha will be there to answer your questions and to point you in the right direction. Identify one person, and then ask the question, how can I help? Can you do that this week? Kids, can you do that? Find one person, find one person, and then just ask the question, how can I help? If you don't know what they need help with, there's a really easy way to fix that. You ready? Ask them. It works really, really well. How can I help you this week? Kindness is one person doing one thing for one other person. And when we do that, we become more and more like Jesus because that's exactly what Jesus did for us on a very large scale. He looked at us and said, we have a problem. That problem is sin. He said, we can't do anything about that problem. We can't do anything about it on our own and we need help. So Jesus did what only he could do. He died for our sins. 
but it didn't end with his death, continued to the empty tomb. And because of his death, as well as his life, the cross and the empty tomb, his crucifixion and resurrection, that we are now given life, problem solved. Problem solved, that now we can come to him and have the hope and promise of eternity with him and salvation. Because he was aware, because he cared, because he did what only he could do. May we follow that exact same example with the people around us. May we be aware, may we care, and may we help in some way. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you so much for your word and all that we learned from you. Thank you for caring enough about us to bring us back to you, doing whatever it would take, even if that meant sending your one and only son for us. So thank you for loving us and caring us more than we can possibly imagine. Thank you for the miracles that we read about in your word, that each of those miracles show how great and awesome and mighty you are, the power of you. But it also shows us your character and who you are and ultimately who you care about, and that's us, that we are significant to you that you are aware of our every need and our every problem, big or small, that you care so much that you would invite us to cast all of our problems and anxieties on you for no other reason than you just care about us. So God, we would ask in this moment, help us to do that for others. You have placed people around our lives intentionally, and you've put people in our lives intentionally. May we be your hands and feet. May you be able to care for them through us. And help that be on our mind and on our heart every single week. Who is the one person and how can we help? Jesus, we love you and we thank you for all that you have done and are doing. Help us to continue to experience more life change. In Jesus' name, amen.